This episode of Contracting Conversations is brought to you by BSCAI Affinity Programs. Learn how you can take advantage of BSCAI negotiated special rates and member-only savings on services, including background checks, office supplies, sales support, human resource advisory, insurance services, equipment rental, and more. Visit bscaiorg affinitypartners. Welcome to Contracting Conversations, a podcast series from BSCAI. Through a series of interviews with entrepreneurs, business owners, and executives, this podcast aims to provide insights, trends, and tactics to support the growth and development of business owners serving the contract cleaning and facility maintenance industry. Welcome to Contracting Conversations, the official podcast of BSCAI. I am your host, Kate Jacobson. Today on our show, I have Terrell Wegg, CBSE. She is the president of MSNW LLC and is located in Washington State. MSNW is a building service contracting company that services several regions of the Pacific Northwest, including Seattle. She and her company have been battling COVID-19 at the epicenter of the outbreak in the U.S. We sat down with her to chat about her experiences navigating this global pandemic, what challenges she's faced, and what she's learned as a business owner throughout all of this. Support for Contracting Conversations comes from our premier partners, 3M, Diversi, and Karcher. Learn more about our partners and their category-leading solutions for contractors at bscaiorg partners. So thank you so much for joining me today um, and the BSCI podcast. We're hoping to kind of get your perspective about what you have been experiencing being based in Washington State and you have you know, some of this, you've come, you have a businesses in surrounding area as well, um, mm-hmm. but that's been really the epicenter of COVID-19, and, and you kind of really have seen a lot, and so we wanted to get your perspective about what that's been like, not only as a business owner, but as a, as a person who's seeing kind of this unprecedented thing unfold in front of you. Um, so, my first question for you is, um, what was it like when when this situation started, what was like at the onset of the situation? What were you thinking? What was what were you feeling? What was going on? Well, you know, coming, we went to um, we went to the BCAI uh, CEO retreat in Aruba, and I brought my whole family. And as we were coming back, we flew through Toronto. Uh, it was Aruba, Toronto, Toronto, Vancouver. Vancouver is a really easy hub for us to get in and out of because we live like five minutes from the Canadian border. And so, anyways, we we're flying through Toronto, and we're, we land, and there's been a reported corona case at the Toronto airport. And so, everyone is wearing masks that is working in the airport. The border patrol. Um, the TSA workers, the um, a lot of the airline employees were wearing masks. I mean, not a, I wouldn't, a handful of the airline. If they were at that point still like, eh, do we really need to wear a mask? Um, so anyways, my kids were kind of freaking out. They're like, Mom, why are all these people wearing masks? And 
So we, you know, talked it through with the kids. Well, there, you know, somebody in China um, got this virus, and now I guess there's been a case in Toronto, and so they're just taking really precautious measures to make sure that it doesn't get spread any further. Mm -hmm. So that was when we first saw it, right? That was the first evidence, like, oh, wow, like, is this serious? And that was the end of January, right? Uh, and then fast forward a little bit, and, I mean, it's kind of, a, the, February is kind of a blur, but I don't think that we actually started talking about it and taking it seriously until February 28th. And I remember that date really clear because it was a Friday, and I typically work from home on Fridays, and so it's a little bit more relaxed, right? I'm not in the office, and so I'm working at my leisure a bit more, and which does not exist anymore. Working from home is not working at your leisure. <laughs> but anyways, uh, I was on the phone all day talking with my management staff. They were like, hey, you know, I think we should order some electrostatic machines. It seems like our clients are asking about disinfecting services, and this seems like a really great way to be able to do it quickly. And the electric static machines we were looking at was, I don't know if I should say it or not, but we were looking at these Clorox 360 machines. And, uh, you know, they're, they're pretty expensive. They're, they're not cheap by any means. And so we decided to order three. We're a regional company, so we're in Washington, Oregon, and Idaho. Uh, but our main hubs are really where I'm located is our corporate office, and that's in the Bellingham, Washington area. And then we have another large hub in Seattle, uh, and then another in Portland. And then we have a hub in Spokane, but not as many clients as we do in those other three. So we figured we would get at a machine for each of our major hubs, and if it works, then we would order them for other places. Um, well, anyway... So we made a decision, and I felt like it was a big decision because we were investing in this equipment that we didn't know if we were even going to use, right? It was like, well, we'll get it, I guess. We'll see if we use it. Uh, well, anyways, on Monday, we got a call from our distributor and said, hey, I know I said I was going to be able to get you these machines, but now you're number 218 in line, and they've been <sighs> back-ordered until March 18th. And oh we're gosh. like, uh Okay, so it like everything came to head that weekend because there was more cases and people started to freak out. And so that Monday, we were like, oh my goodness, we have to like, we need to research other machines. We need to find another option because we're not going to have anything until the middle of March. And then the next thing was like, well, we need to get PPE because this is like, it's hitting the fan right now, and we need to make sure that we're in front of it, right? So that Monday, our management team div divided and conquered, and we got as much disinfectant as we could get our hands on, as much PPE as we could get our hands on, and as much toilet paper as we could get our hands on. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and so that was that that whole week and I, I shared a little bit about, you know, some of the ingenuity we did on some of the BSCAI town halls. Um, I found these foggers that are actually used in agriculture and because we couldn't find them anywhere. And so I went online and just like started Googling and researching and I'm grown up in a farm town. And so I was talking to my dad and he was like, well, you know, we use these 
foggers on the farm and you I think that they might work in this in the office setting and so <laughs> I googled it and I actually found on YouTube that it is used in healthcare settings and it is used in um, restaurants and so I was like okay but they rebrand it for for that right but it's the right. same machine so I went to this egg site and I bought 12 foggers <laughs> and I was like well that's what we're gonna do until and you know we can there was a 90 day return policy so I was like well if we don't use them we can return them uh, well moral of the story we're using all of them now but yeah um, and we still haven't received those uh, Clorox 360 machines actually it's now you know the middle of April and they still haven't come so and they're like disappeared into the ether world like our distributor can't get a hold of the manufacturer the manufacturer won't return our phone calls so like I would be very curious if anyone else is receiving these machines because we are not and it's kind of frustrating right. honestly and um, so anyways that was that was like it going up the first week of March all of our clients called us I mean 100% and if they didn't call us we called them and we said hey we think that you should get disinfecting services um, we we put a landing page on our website for disinfecting services that first week of March um, we really just we decided as a team we had team meetings every single day and we decided that we were going to uh, put a process in place to ensure that we had the proper equipment, the proper PPE, that we had um, our teams trained appropriately and what that training looked like and what the checklist was to make sure that they were, um, they knew how to do it safely. Uh, we had to think of our communication to our team as well as our clients and then we also had to set pricing because it was like we've never done this before. I. I don't know and we kind of looked at it like it's a ha it's hazard pay right and we do have as a total facility services company we provide emergency services already and so we already have hazard pay set up and so that's just what we rolled with um, and yeah so really I mean the first week of March was our was was crazy and really it's just been rolling with the punches ever since because as you know the legislation has changed every week uh, what's been recommended by the CDC has changed every week um, so that's been and so then like we're talking with our clients right because then they want to make changes as things are changing with the CDC so we had our initial conversations the first week of March that as things progress it's just been like going back to the drawing board and then going back and it's just been this, this give and take I guess you could say um, mm -hmm. now in the middle of April we're finding a lot of clients are saying hey let's just pause services and that wasn't the case before uh, because we are in really great industries we're in healthcare we're in financial uh, we're in the government and so those are like the three main things where you know they they need to continue because they're essential to our infrastructure um, but and so healthcare we've ramped up we've got more people working than ever but the financial institutions we're slowly seeing them say okay well we're gonna we're gonna cut back a little bit and uh, and that's kind of new that's that's this week that's new and that's new in the world this week so yeah I know that um, you'd spoken before in one of the town halls about, 
you know, you've kind of got this weird situation where, you know, you've got these healthcare facilities, you need more janitorial staff to work. Um, it's, you know, you're offering the hazard pay, but, you know, some people are anxious about working in that kind of environment, and you're trying to move people from those places that are asking for less um, cleaning to move into the healthcare uh, facilities to help with that job. Um, how, how is that going? Obviously, it's part emotional, part business, because you, you know, like you said, you want to ensure that your cleaners are having the correct PPE, that they're having the correct training, that they feel confident that they can go into these spaces. You have to be sensitive to, this is really scary, I mean, from, mm -hmm. from an emotional perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we had an interesting situation with one of our healthcare clients where uh, they wanted to close some of the clinics that they have and then divert that staff to the hospital. And it was going from our teams cleaning at night by themselves or maybe with a small team to going to a hospital setting where there's always people and right there's more risk. And so we had a lot of conversations around that and a lot of conversations around uh, the PPE that's required. And at that, when we first started those conversations, it was the middle of, the Mar middle of March and the CDC still hadn't recommended masks. And mm -hmm. As a company, we were providing masks and those funny suits that you see to anyone who was going into a potential COVID-19 environment. And so our night staff didn't need that because they weren't going into a confirmed or even like suspected confirmed. But with our teams going into the hospitals, we were really worried about their health and well-being and wanted to make sure that they had the most PPE that they could have, right? Um, and so we were coming to head with our client on that because they weren't providing masks or that level of PPE to their their team and they didn't want to create fear and, and right. all of that. And so um, that was really hard, but luckily for us, we didn't actually start working in the hospitals until last week and the CDC had already changed the recommendation. And so now, I mean, it really just, it happened at the right time for us. We got, we lucked out because we're still able to help the client and we're still able to keep our people safe. So they're now able to wear what we had always wanted them to wear in the first place, which was head to toe PPE. So they're, so they're safe. Um, and in regards to, to the wage aspect, we're, we're just, we're paying people a premium if that isn't their job and that's not something that they've done before we're paying them a premium to go into those to the hospitals for instance um, people that are working in their normal work environments who have low risk you know they're they're getting paid their normal wage because it hasn't changed I mean you're going to the grocery right. store you've got as much risk as you're going into you know any other any other space and we're making sure that they have masks and gloves and etc so anyways that's, you know, like PPE has been a really big thing. I know it's been hard to get PPE, just like it's been hard to get some of the supplies. Um, how, have you, how have you navigated that? Has that been frustrating at all? Have you had any confusion about where you can get things? Or what's been your plan of attack in the PPE in particular? Uh, we've been really lucky that we have a local supplier up here in Whatcom County who has uh, been very loyal to us, and so whenever they're getting PPE, 
PPE in, they're calling us, they're asking us what do we need, and they're procuring it. Uh, when the CDC recommended masks, uh, that was for everyone, that was like, that was, I guess, unexpected. I didn't think that they would change their mind overnight about that. And I think a lot of people felt the same way. So yeah. I went on immediately and I started trying to procure masks. And I actually, one of my colleagues, uh, in BSCAI, uh, he had mentioned that he had somebody that, that was able to get him a large quantity of masks. And so I actually, I was text messaging him during one of our town halls and he gave me the contact information. And so I reached out to that contact and I was able to procure a cotton mask for every team member. My goal was to have two cotton masks for team members. So that way, when we were able to get the surgical masks and the N95s, um, then they could, like the surgical, they could wear underneath the cotton mask, and then they have the N95s, and obviously that's the safest thing, but it's just everything's been out so much. So I was like, we just need the cotton masks, and that was easier to get our hands on, it appeared. Well, I got the order done on that Thursday or Friday, whenever that CDC recommendation went into place, I think it was like April 2nd or something, and they were supposed to ship out the following next Monday, April 6th. And I didn't hear anything back from uh, the distributor that I had ordered from, and so I followed up on Tuesday. I gave a day of grace. I was like, well, you know, shipping's crazy right now anyway, so maybe it's just delayed. Uh, so I followed up on, with him on Tuesday the 7th, and he said, yeah, I haven't heard anything either. Let me check back. And then he called me Thursday morning, and he's like, I have really bad news. FEMA has taken over the factory that your masks are being produced in, and now you won't be able to get masks until the first week of May at the earliest. And I honestly cried. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I was I was devastated because I was, I got on it immediately and I had, you know, I had a plan in place and I just, and I'd already had team members reach out to us saying like, you know, we need masks, when can we get a mask? And we had said, you know, we've got them ordered, they're coming, we're planning to get them out to you as soon as we get our hands on them. And like, my plan just, failed and, and there was nothing I could do right I mean FEMA took over the factory I and then I was like if I order masks from another United States factory how do I know that that factory won't be taken over by FEMA and right. we're essential workers as much as these healthcare people and the you know this I know the Navy was having an outbreak and I mean obviously we need to make sure that our healthcare workers are taken care of first I totally get that but then you got to take care of the janitors because we're the ones that are actually killing the virus. And I just feel like there's such a disconnect there and it's so frustrating. Um, so yeah, I kind of had, I had a little mini meltdown and then I collected myself after I got off the phone with him and I was like, okay, what can I control? And I was like, well, I can, I can reach out to everybody I know and see if I can get these masks. And I had seen on Facebook that people were making these handmade masks. And so I went on Facebook and I just was like, I need your help. I need some local people to make me 400 masks so I can at least provide everyone on my staff one mask. And I had just an overwhelming response from people willing to help and, and make those masks for us. And I was able to ship out, I shipped out 200 masks so far to our team and we have um, another 200 that are being made for us to be able to ship out. So we're, 
we're getting them out slowly but surely to our teams. Um, we wanted to get the people who are most critical first, so people right. who are in environments where they were working in teams or they had client uh, clients um, face to face. So we got those people taken care of first, and now are you know rolling out to all of our evening staff from here on out. So. Yeah. yeah, so that was kind of a, a devastating <laughs> blow, um, and it's still kind of fresh because I, I'm like, I don't trust my orders, and you know, like I have the electrostatics not turning up, I don't have the math turning up, like it's just, right. it's so frustrating. But everybody is going through the same thing, and it's an emotional roller coaster for every single person right now. I mean, from the person who's the stay-at-home mom because she's homeschooling her kids to the person who's working at a refinery because, um, you know, oil is an essential business. You know, they don't want to go to work and be exposed and with all these people, but they're still doing it. Um, so the nurses who are working around the clock because they've mandated overtime for them, you know, it's just it's right. hard on everyone. So yeah. One interesting thing that I'm hearing from you, though, is that it – you have really persisted and you've really been like, I, like you said, a plan failed and I, instead of wallowing in my failure, you went out and you were like, I'm going to find another solution and um, it sounds like being really quick on your feet has been beneficial to you because the moment, like in early March, I mean, I, I'm based in Illinois, we didn't even, ha this wasn't even a big deal for us until March 17th you know, or March 16th when, the, mm -hmm. when our stay-at-home order came down. So, you know, you're out there, you're looking at the situation, you're like, I got to get this stuff today. I got to get, I got to look at, into this now, being quick and agile and being able to pivot really quickly and kind of pick yourself up from your failures. That says a lot about you as a leader. Um, wh what have you learned about yourself as far as like your leadership skills or what advice would you have for people going forward, looking at how they can incorporate better leadership skills to ensure they have that ability to pivot, that ability to problem solve? Well, I, I have to say that it hasn't been a me thing. I, I have a really strong team around me, and there is no way that we could have made the quick pivots that we have without the team that I have in place. And I'm really seeing people rise to the occasion right now. And as a leader, it's just, it's a really, it's amazing to watch. And it's, it's, it's comforting <laughs> to have people who are willing to go the extra mile with you, uh, you know, to tread, to go through the, the trials and tribulations and, um, and so I, I can't say that it's a me thing. It's really been a team effort. I, I guess, yeah, I am, I am pivoting and being quick on my feet is something has been a strength of mine. I'm, I don't take no for an answer. And so I, I'm always trying to, to find a way around it. So I guess that's one of my strengths that I have. Uh, I, I think that we just, we all as leaders have to trust that our teams are uh, going to going to come along side by side and work with us to, to make our companies better. And the number one thing for me is, is making sure that our morale stays high and that our team feels cared for and taken um, and supported. And that way they can, in turn, support our 
team members on the front lines and our clients and just the community as a whole. And yeah. so I think as leaders, it's really important to look at the whole picture and not get stuck in the weeds and really try to pull ourselves out of it so we can make sure that we're, we're doing our best so uh, our companies stay fluid and, and quick and able to respond. So. And I like what you said about you know, com company morale. I think I've heard a lot of BSCs say our, our workers know how important they are to this global crisis, that this is something mm -hmm. that we can do. Our, our little sliver of what we do is finally being realized for its importance. Um, mm -hmm. You know, every building needs to be cleaned, and janitors are kind of sometimes this unseen essential worker. And this mm -hmm. is kind of putting them into a spotlight. How does that make you feel to know that not only you have people on your team that stepped up, but that other people outside of the cleaning, of building service contracting, understand the importance that janitors can play? Well, it makes me feel proud. And I have to say it's a shift in the right direction. We are... We're behind on that. I We were at the World Federation meeting in Europe this past year, and uh, janitors, housekeepers are respected over there. It's a, it's a respected position. And in the United States, it's been this lowly, you know, dirt job that nobody wants and people don't respect. And I, I hope that this changes the mentality for the nation as a whole that it's a really important job making sure that your environments are clean and sanitized and now disinfected is is so important for everyone's health and and it's not just a minimum wage job it's it's important and uh, i'm hoping that people are going to be willing to to recognize that and and pay for that service because that's really the mm -hmm. hard thing is with our industry it's a you know it's it's a commodity it's seen as a commodity a lot of times and so the price gets driven down and it's really hard to have good quality service when the client isn't willing to pay for it and right. I would certainly love to be able to pay my teams more and part of the reason we're in government contracting for uh, for our janitorial side of our business is because prevailing wage is so much higher than the minimum wage. And so mm -hmm. we're able to compensate our teams and have people who really take pride in what they do because they're being paid appropriately for it. And uh, gosh, if I was able to do that for all of my team members, that would be amazing. And But I'm not able to do that until the community and the um, and just the community as a whole recognizes it's an important job and they need to pay the money for it. And, um, and anyways, that's my, that's my perspective <laughs> on it a little bit. No, I love it. I, I think you're totally yeah. right. I think that it's you, it's, I think this is going to change everything from our perspectives about what is essential. I mean, not even just for janitorial staff, but like grocers and, you know, mm -hmm. like nurses, who don't always get the recognition that they deserve. I think it's going to change mm -hmm. that. But I also think it's going to make us as an industry think about like maximizing our cleaning schedules, under like how we develop our cleaning schedules with our clients, like understanding how important disinfection, sanitation, what the difference is between those things. Mm -hmm. I think this is mm -hmm. I think this is a moment for for us 
and I'm while it's scary what's happening in the world I think it's, it's kind of exciting maybe it's too positive of a word but it's it's interesting to see how this is evolving and affecting the work that, that we do as BSCs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. It's, I think exciting is the right word because it's finally being recognized as a valuable job and a valuable position to have. And it's good. It's good. Yeah. And I just pray that it continues, right? I, I, I hope that cleaning for health uh, which is something that we as BSCs have been trying to do and educate our clients on. I, I hope that people now understand what that actually means and that we as BSCs are doing our best to, this is the perfect opportunity to educate, right? A lot of times we're only educating in the sales process, but this is an opportunity to educate continually, right? So yeah. that's, that's the opportunity that we have. Um, well, that, those are my only questions for you, but um, I just want to say thank you so much. I know that you've been an active member in BSCAI and that you've been active in our all of our discussions about COVID-19, and I think, you know, that this right now community is everything and, and supporting one another is everything, and so I appreciate you taking the time out of your day. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Kate. Good to see your face. <laughs> good, to, good to chat with you as always. Yes. Thank you for listening to this episode of Contracting Conversations from BSCAI. If you liked what you heard and you want to find out more or to listen to previous episodes, head over to bscaiorg podcast. There you can also subscribe to our newsletter so you never miss industry news, updates, and great tips. Subscribe to Contracting Conversations on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts and learn more about our community on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube.